Hey, my friends, welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. Hope you're doing awesome. I am recording this on my phone in my driveway. I just finished up doing Finley Friday. It was quite an eventful (laughs) Finley Friday. If you don't know, I have five kids. And one of the smartest things I ever did years ago, when my oldest, who's 11 now, when he was three years old, I started doing Maverick Monday. It was just kind of on a whim. And it just evolved and it stuck. And I've been doing it uh, for like eight years now. And so all of my kids, when they turn three, they get a special day. So we have Sawyer Sunday, Maverick Monday, Tucker Tuesday, Finley Friday. And I have a one-year-old named Judah. Her middle name is May. So she's going to have Judah May Thursday. <laughs> and Finley just started doing her Finley Friday when she turned three in August. And we have so much fun. It's different because she's a girl. And uh, I do have some epic gold business nuggets here in one second. <laughs> But Finley comes to my office because I'm working late and my wife dropped her off at my office, which normally I go home and get Finley and we'll like go to dinner or I'll take her and we'll do something. But she came to my office and I said, okay, honey, you have to sit in the the other. I have three rooms in my office. She sat in the one office and I pulled up one of her little Netflix cartoons she watches called PJ Mask. And she was watching it while I was finishing my last appointment of the day and (laughs) she peed her pants. (laughs) So I get done. I'm like, all right, Finley, you ready for Finley Friday? And she's like, um, I peed a little bit. I peed a little bit. And she said, are you mad? Are you mad? I'm like, no, honey, I'm not mad. You just peed a little bit. I said, why didn't you come tell me you had to go potty? And then I look and it wasn't a little bit. She like completely peed all over the place. It was all down her tights and everywhere. And then we couldn't go to a restaurant. And I was so bummed out. So we ended up having Finley Friday in the back of my truck. I have a four door F-150. I love my truck and it's got like the bigger back seat extended cab thing and so we just sat in the back and listened to music and ate Taco Bell and talked and laughed and had a a great time so we didn't go on an official date but we just hung out in my truck and listened to music had a dance party so it was awesome so you can pivot you can improvise it was really really cool and it's one of the most special things I do so you need to do that you also need to have a date night with your wife you savage make it happen and uh Anyway, so what I wanted to talk to you guys about, sorry for my diatribe, that got weird, is I made a Facebook post a couple days ago that got a ton of engagement, like, I don't know, like 200 and something comments type of thing, which is quite a bit for my just my personal Facebook profile, and I asked, what separates you from your competition? And I word, I you know, I purposely worded the question kind of ambiguous because whenever I do a post where I'm just trying to get a whole bunch of people to engage on it, you can, that's like a strategy. That's what you want to do. You want to make it so that I'm not making a statement. I'm asking an open-ended question that will kind of divide people or polarize it, so you get lots of different opinions and thoughts on it, and it makes the post way more fun as you scroll through and read it. But with this post, I was just, I was so sad for so many people that really didn't understand uh, what they're talking about. And great people, I'm sure they have nice businesses and stuff, but I asked them what separates you from their competition, and I was shocked. I told them, oh, I also said you can't say quality because everybody says that. And some people still said quality, you know. Well, it separates my company's quality, or they said, "Uh, me, I'm the one that separates myself from the competition. And they say things, it's most of their answers, not most of them, but a lot of people's answers were rooted in ego and not in reality. They're like, you know, we're the best, we do this. I'm really great. I've been doing this 27,000 years and I know the pressure of the chemical pH of the makeup of the ball bearing flux capacitor more than anybody, anybody on the planet. 
and there's all this pride and ego stuff and i'm just shaking my head reading this stuff or another common answer was uh, i don't have any competition you know lead follow or get out of the way all this just arrogant silliness really missing the point of the whole question and the good news is for all you guys listening to the quick talk podcast is that most of your competition is completely asleep at the wheel and the really good part for you is that they don't think they're asleep at the wheel they think they're crushing it i got a facebook message from uh, a friend in canada what's up eric he came to automate grow sell experience i got to know him a little bit and he was telling me about um a competitor in his area and just talking about this guy who's just real old-fashioned stuck in his ways but really thinks he's crushing it and if the guy's happy that's fine i'm not like beating up on someone if they're happy it's just fascinating to me how not self-aware people are how not aware people are the changes in the market the way people buy there's a lot of young companies coming up and just grabbing market share they're gonna bury a lot of these these companies that are stuck that won't adapt that won't understand technology that won't get on the train understanding how to leverage um this right systems to be you know really quick and responsive and the follow-up and all the things that we talk about in the show if you're not doing it that's great but eventually it's going to run you out of business you're going to be like the little weird company that everyone's scared to hire because you're the only one with no google reviews and your website's horrible and you don't answer your phone like I don't know. I just think there's a massive opportunity for everybody that does get it and is leveraging these awesome new tools and resources. But back to uh, what makes you different from your competition. So the other answers that were like, you know, what you would expect people to answer were things like, you know, we offer a guarantee. We have this. We do that. We do this thing really good. And there's some valid answers. But the big thing that everyone was missing is that the thing that separates you from your competition is there's really two pieces to this. And Bobby Walker had sent me a message too and asked me about this. He's like, all right, Josh, so like there's what separates you from your competition, like your new, your unique selling proposition or whatever, your, your elevator pitch. But a lot of it happens after the customer does business with you. Like they give you money and then you blow their mind, over deliver, like wildly exceed their expectations. They give you a review. They give you 10 referrals. They hire you 10 more times over the next five years that's awesome and so at that point the customer is aware of what makes you different from the competition because they've transacted with you but really the real question is what separates you from your competition before someone does business with you they don't know about all your stuff they don't know or care frankly that you have twenty-seven thousand years and you know the flux capacitor ratio the muffler bearings and the blinker fluid <laughs> nobody cares right how do you separate yourself in the little things um, before they give you money. How do you stand out like a sore thumb, right? And so I was talking to Bobby about this, and I don't think it's one thing, but it's a, a culmination of a whole bunch of little things. The devil's in the details, they say, right? Uh, the real money, the gold is in the details, but you got to put in the work to think through this stuff. Uh, you might have heard me talk about the customer life cycle, and it's this little document I made for myself a long time ago. And because I'm a visual person, I wanted to understand where were all the opportunities for us to exceed uh, expectations in the mind of our client? And this started at, you know, from them first knowing we exist. So they didn't give us money yet, but they know that we exist. They saw a truck. They saw one of our work shirts on an employee somewhere. They went to our website. They uh, looked in the phone book. They called from Angie's List. Whatever happened, that first touch is where it starts. 
And so how do you be noticeably different? It doesn't mean you have to spend a bunch of money on fancy, flashy stuff, but how do you stand out? How do you make yourself different? How do you become weird in a good way, in a fun way, in a unique way? How do you just stand out from the pack? You know, you get three companies with three quotes. They're all within 20 bucks of each other. And they all say satisfaction guaranteed. They all say we're licensed and insured. Duh. They all say we won't smoke, you know, joints inside your house while we work. Okay, great. Well, you better not smoke joints inside my house while I work. Like, there's nothing new or fresh there, right? Um, inside the super course, Brandon does a really cool teaching on this uh, this concept called a perceptual map and, you know, apples and pears. And he gives all these cool analogies about how his company did that. And I want to encourage you guys to really think through from the moment they engage with you via text, email, phone number, social media, uh, whatever, they walk up to your truck, have a plan in place for each of those touch points on how you can be pleasantly surprising in how you handle that interaction, the speed you do it, the humor that you use while you do it, um, how you go above and beyond, the the speed at which you get them pricing, all that. And then when you get to the next touch point in the customer life cycle, it's when you're giving them pricing of some kind. What is that experience like? How easy is it for someone to find out what it costs to do business with you? Or better yet, how much they need to invest in their home for you to take care of that you know, problem for them if you're a home service company? All the language you use, all the nuance in the speech, the voice inflection, all that stuff matters. I'm not being cheesy. I promise this stuff is really, really important. And for 90% of the companies that are asleep at the wheel, if they're not feeling it already, they're going to feel it. Luckily for them, we have a booming economy. Things are rocking right now and uh, unemployment's low. There's a lot of money to be spent. Housing developments are being built. There's all kinds of stuff out there right now for everybody. But when it contracts again, and it will, you have to be positioned as the dominant market leader. You have to be the place. You want to be the premium luxurious steakhouse compared against you know all the run-of-a-mill burger joints, right? Yes, the burger joints will always have customers, but you're going to get all of the best non-price sensitive customers that care about the nuance and the intangibles. And the way to provide that is easy. It just takes creative thought when you look at your customer life cycle, the thickness of the literature you hand to your customers, the way that you follow up, the way that you do little things, handwritten notes, you know, telling a customer that they don't need something is huge. Um, for example, if you're doing a quote, you don't just give them the pricing and say, all right, what do you, you want? We doing this or what lady, huh? You get it. Can we, are we going to do your retaining wall or what? Yeah. We'll build a great retaining wall. Quality guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. It's just white noise. <laughs> it's white noise. How can you over deliver? How can you tell them, you know what? You do need a retaining wall, but really the most important thing right now is this other thing. We need a drainage system over here, which is actually less money than a retaining wall. And so if you want to, we could do it as a package and save you some money. Or, you know, I wouldn't even be against you doing the, the drainage now and you can wait two or three years for the other thing. Now, I have no experience in landscape. I don't know anything about drainage or retaining walls, but I'm making a point that when you're honest with people, when you surprise them, when they think they're gonna get A and you give them A, B, C, and D, it blows their mind. You know, why can't you wash off their sidewalk uh, for free every time you do a house wash, but frame it as if it's not free. I talked about this the other day too. My son Maverick, one of our family systems is that for him to get game time, he has to study a topic from this huge list of topics I gave him, like history and archaeology and the Bible or math or science or learn how to code, write code, or um, a whole bunch of other things I can't remember. Persuasion, sales, marketing, all that. 
value creation, website design, <laughs> lots of stuff, video editing. Anyway, sorry. I tell him he has to study and write like a report to me. And for every minute he spends studying, he gets a minute of game time to play Fortnite with his friends. And if he, if he studies and gives me a report, he gets a minute for every minute. But if the report is really well done and it's broken down and there's like bold parts and then sub bullet points, then he can get two minutes for every minute. So two minutes of game time for every minute he does the research. Now, he can get up to three minutes of game time for every one minute of uh, real learning that he does, but he has to be able to teach me what he learned and articulate it at a high level and really understand the concepts and demonstrate that he fully understands them and basically give me a presentation. And he was talking about persuasion. He was talking about um, the studies they've done with waitresses. You know, if a waitress walks up to you and gives you some mints when she gives you her bill, I forget what book this is from. I've heard of this for years, but they give they give you some mints and if she gives you mints when she gives you your bill, her tips will go up like 4% because they gave you a, she gave you a gift. It's a law of uh, reciprocity, okay? Um, for example, um, when you introduce yourself to someone and you want to get their name, you don't say, hi, what's your name? You say, hi, my name's Josh, what's your name? Because I said my name first, the person feels subconsciously compelled to have to answer even if they didn't want to, right? I could talk on this for a long time, but Maverick said, if the waitress gives them their mints, turns around to walk away, stops, then comes back to the table and says, you know what? You guys are a great table and gives them extra mints. The, the, the tip percentage goes through the roof. It's like goes up like 25% or something. And it's because the customer received something unexpected. They felt special. They felt like they were the only people on planet earth that got that thing. Okay. You can use this with your home service company. It's very easy, simple stuff. You just have to be intentional with it. So if you're going to include, let's say you already include uh, washing their front porch and their sidewalk with a house wash, stop including it, but then give it to everybody every time, but make it structured in a way where they feel like they just won the lottery and that they're special, right? So it's like, hey, Mrs. Jones, the guys are cleaning up right now. Um, part of our house washing package, it doesn't include the sidewalk or the front porch, but uh, you know, we're just going to throw that in for you. I'm going to have the guys just spend a few extra minutes. I think it'll really, really dial the rest of this in and look really good. No charge to you. We just really appreciate your business. And that's something you would have done anyway, but now it creates massive perceived value. It gets people talking about you more and on and on it goes. So for all the old timers who are asleep at the wheel, wake up, wake up. You're building a business that's not sellable. If you stub your toe and break your ankle and hurt your back, you're done. Your income's done. You have no asset. And uh, you can make a lot more money by understanding these principles. Even if you want to stay an owner-operator, that's okay. Why not make more money? If you can do the same amount of work and make 615000 in revenue at 35% margins instead of 248000 with you know crappy margins, why wouldn't you pick the better scenario there? You do that through uh, the perceived value, grabbing the low-hanging fruit, getting intentional with your customer lifecycle, blocking time out every week to actually work on these things. They don't have to be perfect, but you have to make the time to actually finish them. Most entrepreneurs are great starters. They're very poor finishers. Um, doesn't mean you can't finish. just means you don't. just means you're lazy, that you're not accountable to something. Uh, and that's okay. You can fix that by calling your shot, by getting accountable. By telling a group of other people you respect, hey, I'm going to have this done by next Tuesday and I want you to send me a text message. And if it's not done, I will wear a thong and run down my driveway all the way to my mailbox and all the way back and I'll videotape it and give it to you. Yeah, things just got weird. And I'm being funny and serious at the same time. (laughs) 
that's what you got to do, guys. There was a time I wanted to get a project done really bad. And uh, my wife kind of got upset with me for this. I took $1,000 or it might have been $1,500. And I forget the name of the website that does this. But you, you put this money in this website. And you commit to achieving something by a certain date. And then I have to have an accountability coach log into the website. And they're the ones as a third party that validates if I achieved the thing or if I did not achieve the thing. Now, what happens is if I do achieve the thing, I get my money back. If I don't achieve the thing, they take my money and give it to a charity that I hate. So I have to pick a charity I hate. Now, I'm pro-life. I don't believe in abortion. I think it's murder and it's horrible. Uh, So I pledge that money to go to an abortion clinic to pay for abortions. So let me ask you, did I get my task done? (laughs) Did I accomplish what I was trying to accomplish? Of course I did. And so will you, but you got to get serious about being accountable to yourself, getting it done. Or maybe you could pledge it to a university that you hate, the arch enemy football program that you you hate. Pledge it to the athletic department. (laughs) Anyway, weird podcast. Lots of fun. Love you guys. Hope you have a great weekend. Take care. God bless.